0: Well, hey everyone, welcome to Blackhawk Church. My name is Matt and I'm one of the pastors on staff here with our teaching team. And uh, we are so glad that you are joining us. So for those of you who are used to watching the speaker here in person, well, I'm figuring that you've realized that I'm not here this morning. So I got news a few days ago that my dad who lives in South Florida, that he fell and uh, he broke his hip. And so we filmed this sermon early so that I could be down there with my mom to and my mom and dad, really, to help out with everything that's going on. So there you go. <laughs> would appreciate your prayers for my dad and my mom in this season. I, I, many of you know that my folks, uh, also just had COVID. My, my dad was in the hospital for a few days right before Christmas. I talked about it at our Christmas services. And we were supposed to be down there for the holidays. And then, well, that all got canceled. And it has been, what did we talk about at Christmas? Oh yeah, a roller coaster since that time. And it's continued up to today. I mean, right as they are over the hump and both recovering from COVID, my dad has a fall. So really since before Christmas, If I'm honest, uh, I've felt (laughs) pretty anxious about everything going on with my family. Of course, when when people ask me how I'm doing during this season, my answer that I give people is, oh, I'm fine. If you haven't been around here, we are in week three of a short four-week series called I'm Fine, which is the thing that we say when people oftentimes aren't actually all that fine. You see, if I'm honest right now, (laughs) I'm anxious. I've been anxious. And and today I'm supposed to preach on the subject of anxiety. See, now that's kind of funny. I mean, let's face it, 2021 did not end up being the year that we were hoping for. I mean, there were still all kinds of stuff that took place that we weren't expecting. I mean... Who saw the idea of mullets making a comeback? Anyone? I mean, that's just bad, just bad people. But in all seriousness, though, Omicron showed up, and it messed things up significantly. With look, with things like this happening in the world, it can cause us to be anxious about 2022, can't it? I mean, we want to be hopeful, but. We don't know what might be around the corner. And it can be easy in these circumstances for our anxiety to rise. An- anxiety over the last couple of years has literally skyrocketed in our society. Look, studies show that on average, 47% of people struggle with anxiety today. Now, now before COVID, that was one in five people. And now it's almost one in in two. In other words, if you look right now, if you're in one of our venues and you look to your left and then to your right, guess what? One of those people that you're sitting near struggles with anxiety. So here's what I'd like for you to do. I'd like you to look back at those two people and judge for yourself which one you think it is. Okay. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't do that. So, but statistics would tell us that one out of every two of us struggle with anxiety right now including the guy you see on the screen. (laughs) Yep, me. I'm a part of the 47%, thank you very much. Look, for for many of you, do you you remember the evening pre-COVID when I was voted in to be the next senior pastor of Blackhawk? For any of you who have been around, you might remember that day, March 8th, just three days before the world went crazy. And already at that time, I felt ill-equipped for the role that I was stepping into. I mean, talk about like (laughs) imposter syndrome. Like I had never been a senior pastor before. So already I didn't know if I had what it would take to to, like lead a really large church (laughs) pre-COVID. On top of that, like I'm following Dolson. Like in the church world, look, that's kind of like being the next in line to Yoda. You know, good luck, luck living up to that standard. But, but hey, w- while we are at it and we're stepping into that role, why don't we then add on top of all that, hey, a longstanding global pandemic, that will be fun. And then how about major racial unrest in our society while we are still striving to be a more multi-ethnic church? How about throw in some political polarization while we continue to strive as a church to be a church where we can be a group of people differing on political camps and political positions and yet still love each other and worship together. You see, like in the midst of this, we have tried to figure out how to be a hybrid church offering online options for people along with continuing to encourage people to come back to worship and build community in person. And in the process of this, I mean, you know what's happened? Well, we've lost people along the way like, who have left our church. We've had, we've had many people in the journey who let us know that the anger towards us that they feel or how very disappointed they are in our decisions. We've had major leaders and, and donors leave. And look, okay, note to self, this, is, this story that I'm sharing, it's true of most churches right now. It's not just unique to us, but let's just say that March 8th, two years ago, <laughs> I already didn't feel prepared and I had no idea of what was coming. So here's what I want you to know about me. I, I love Jesus. Look, I trust him with my life and <laughs> I have anxiety. Now, I had anxiety before the last two years, but the last two years definitely added to it. I, look, I just say this because I think that sometimes people think that if you, you love Jesus and you desire to follow him and trust him with your life, then you aren't supposed to have anxiety or something like that. Well, I'm just telling you, I love and trust Jesus with my life, and I have anxiety. And look, as I've worked on this issue in my life, I've realized that there are two main things that cause anxiety for me. Now, there are many more out there who people deal with. And it's worth identifying, I think, what your root issues are if you're one of those people. But I just wanna spend a few minutes talking about these two because I think that they're rather common to a lot of us. The first thing that I find that, that makes me anxious is a lack of control. Anyone else out there? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) When I don't have my bearings, yeah, I feel anxious. I think this feeling can be high in seasons like the one that we've been in for the last two years. When we don't know what to expect, when the uncertainty levels are high of what's gonna happen in the future, when we have no past experiences that can help us know what to do right now, we feel anxious. The second thing I find that makes me anxious, and, and this one probably is the biggest one for me personally. It's a, it's a lack of approval. You see, <laughs> I've always struggled with this. I just want people to like me. You know? and, look, and I think that's true for a lot of people. Ever since the fall of humanity, humans have looked to other people for approval instead of God. You see, I, I have a deep need and desire to be accepted, to be affirmed, to be validated. And I'm guessing that some of you, you might feel the exact same way. We wanna be seen as like special, smart, funny, talented, wise. And if we're honest, like we look to other people to fill this need inside of us. You know, so when I get praise, hey, I feel great. And when I get criticism, or, or even more, when I see someone else get praise, yeah, I can feel kind of lame. You see, both of these things, the need for control, the need for approval, like they're, they're kind of like a treadmill. Like they're good at wearing us out, and yet they don't get us anywhere. Look, they are a great mode for exhaustion, but a bad mode of transportation. You know what I'm saying? So, so today, we're gonna talk some about anxiety. Okay, now, here's the thing. Anxiety is a huge, complex issue. We can't cover every aspect of it today. So just to be clear, I just want to tell you, I am not an expert in the subject. I am not an anxiety expert. I am just a slightly anxious pastor. And so well, we are not going to scratch where everyone is itching today. Like, we can't in one 30-minute message. And so, some of you, you struggle with anxiety, and you're going to get to the end of this message and say, well, that didn't help me very much. <laughs> and I get that. In, f- in fact, I feel kind of anxious about it. But there is only so much that we can do in a short period of time. Look, for some of you, you've dealt with anxiety for a long time. For some of you like, who are listening today, like, your anxiety, when you look at it and the amount of time you've dealt with it, you could use some professional attention. You, to, to, you may need to meet with a counselor like I have or even talk to your primary care doctor about what are the next steps that you can take? What are the things that you are experiencing? Look, medicine and counseling, they can be really good things for people. You know? so, so while we are very thankful for the medical community and all they have to offer us in, or, you know, in and around this subject, we're a church, <laughs> I'm a pastor. So today we are going to look at this really look at this subject from a biblical perspective. And the first thing that we notice when we do that is that anxiety, well, from the Bible standpoint, it's not a new issue. You see, if you were one of those people like me who struggles with it, well, good news. You and I, we are in good company because there are all sorts of people in the Bible who deal with anxiety, all kinds of anxious people in scripture. Okay, go back to the Old Testament. Elijah. Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament that God had done some amazing works through. Yet, not long after one of these amazing acts, (laughs) we find him in the desert asking God to kill him for fear of who was coming after him. Okay, David, you know, the writer of the Psalms. Look, when we read the Psalms, Like we see the massive roller coaster that he is on where like at one moment he's worshiping God and praising God. And then in the next moment, like he is full of agony and despair. You know, Paul in the new Testament is another one. Look, he shares a story in uh, one of the letters that he wrote to the Corinthians, second Corinthians, right at the beginning, chapter one, where he was under such incredible pressure. Like that, that he despaired of life itself and he felt as if he had been given like a death sentence. That's what it says in there. Look, and these are just three. You see, we could go towards all kinds of other people from Abraham to Job and on and on and on. Here's the thing though that happens for me when I read these stories, like stories of these people. You see, it, it helps me to feel more normal. You see, like, these are great biblical leaders, like pillars of the faith, if you will. So, and if they can deal with anxiety, well, then maybe it's okay that I'm dealing with it too. Of course, there's another biblical character who I didn't mention who dealt with anxiety. And that person, well, <laughs> it's Jesus. Yep, Jesus dealt with anxiety and it's recorded in scripture. So today, what I wanna do for just a few minutes, I wanna take a look at Jesus. Today, I want us to look at the issue of anxiety from a spiritual standpoint, based on how Jesus handled anxiety in the midst of the most anxious moment of his life. And what I wanna do, I I want to take from this passage that we're gonna look at today, there are three practical things that we can do when faced with anxiety. Look, I once heard this, actually, this idea from another pastor, a guy named Craig Rochelle, a while back. And these actually lined up with some steps I was already taking in my life. And so it just stuck with me. It's something I want to share with you today. So in light of that, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me right now to the book of Mark, chapter 14. And we're actually, we're going to start at verse 32. Now, while you're turning there, to give you a little bit of context, This is the night before Jesus is going to the cross, the night of the Last Supper, when Jesus, he's with his disciples in in the upper room, and he has just finished uh, sharing a meal with them and trying to share with them what was about to happen to him. And, and, And now Jesus is on his way with them to go and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, and this is where we pick up the story. Verse 32. It says, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Okay, now we are, we are told actually of the same story in the book of Luke this particular night that the fear, like the stress, the anguish, the anxiety were so great that Jesus literally, he began to, to sweat blood. Like, you see, we could easily Sunday school this story, can't we, to where we miss the depth of anxiety that Jesus was truly under in this moment. So, so what is the first thing he does in the midst of this night to handle the anxiety that he was under in this moment? Well, <laughs> he talks to his friends. You see, when, when we're in the midst of anxiety, it's wise for us to talk to our friends. People who we are in deep, relationship with this is what we see Jesus do he had a a close-knit community of people around him he grabs three of his closest friends and he opens up with them so really the first question for you have you got Christian friends around you like have have you taken the time to build good community in your life When you think about it for Blackhawk Church, this is half the mission statement of our church. Build a community. In other words, develop relationships with people who can walk with you through life. You see, here's the thing that we see happen sometimes within people within our church. People can end up just attending church. You know, they attend Blackhawk on Sundays. Maybe you watch online on a regular basis but you've never taken the steps to like build community here. And so those people, they don't ever get into real relationships with others. And then, and then something tough happens in their life. So they come to us as the church for help because they feel like they know us, but we don't know them. And, and when we don't know someone, there's only so much that we can do to be of help. You see, the church The church is not just a place that we go it's a diverse community of people that we're a part of because in the midst of the struggles that we go through real community real friends they can be a game changer look there are so many passages in the bible about the importance of true community about the value of real friends you just got to look them up so what do we see jesus do when he's with his real friends well Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 34. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. (laughs) Okay, what do we see Jesus do? (laughs) Do you notice he is incredibly honest with his friends? So if if the first question is, do you have friends? The, The second question for you is, well, are you being honest with them? Look, Jesus doesn't hold back and sugarcoat where he is at. So, let me ask you, when you are with trusted friends, can you be honest about how you're doing? Because isn't it true? Sometimes we are really good at holding back on how things are really going. We say things like, I'm fine. We downplay. Look, don't do this. Be honest, shoot straight, talk to your friends, it's important to be open with what's truly going on. Okay, let's keep reading in the story to see what the second thing is that Jesus does that we should do in the midst of anxiety. Let's pick up with verse 35. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Okay, look, anxiety is a signal that we need to draw close to God. And one of the best ways to do that, it's through prayer. Look, we, we need to talk to our Father. We need to talk to God. This is what Jesus did. Look, in the midst of his anxiety, Jesus turns to God and ask him to take away what is ahead of him. Once again, do you see, he is real with where he is at. He shoots straight. He doesn't tell God what he thinks that God might want to hear. He falls to the ground and he says, Father, I don't wanna do this. Look, Jesus pours out his anxiety. Now, now let me just say this. Okay, the, the answer of prayer can easily sound like a, a cop-out line to us that you would sort of expect a Christian to say, right? I mean, it sounds like just exactly what you would expect a pastor to tell you. Well, is life hard? Well, <laughs> are you praying enough? <laughs> it's like we're saying, "Hello, anxiety. I'd like to introduce you to my friend guilt trip." <laughs> you see, when we look at prayer this way, we can end up just feeling guilty. <laughs> and this is not what I think that God would want us to feel. One, one thing that I find that happens to me quite often when I'm anxious is that I wake up in the middle of the night. Often, this is somewhere around three in the morning where I'll wake up and my mind just starts racing. You know, <laughs> anyone else, you there? You ever been there before? Any of the middle of the night people? And, and of course, every situation that fills my mind seems, what, 10 times worse in the middle of the night? <laughs> have you been there? Something that I have realized, like in those moments at 3 a.m. is that, look, I, I can keep thinking those thoughts of how hard and difficult and impossible everything is, or I can use those thoughts as a trigger to do what Jesus did when he was anxious, to pray, to let everything out to god like this is what this is what we are told to do in scripture look the apostle paul we were talking about earlier in his letter that he wrote to the church in philippi philippians 4 6 he says this he says do not be anxious about anything but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god like in the same light peter in the book of uh first peter chapter 5 verse 7 he says Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You see, God wants us to be real with him because think about this. He already knows what's going on inside of us. I mean, he understands the situation at hand because, well, he cares for you. God cares deeply for you. That's a truth that we can stand on, which actually brings me to to the thing that we see Jesus do in the midst of his anxiety. Verse 36, look at this, we'll go back just a little. He says, Abba Father, he said, everything is possible for you, take this cup from me. (laughs) Yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, when we're in the middle of feeling anxious, Sure, we need to talk to our friends. We need to talk to our father. But another thing that we need to do also, we need to talk to our feelings. That sounds a little weird, but, but here's why. You see, because I think that we all know that our feelings are not always truthful. And they can, they can lead us in all kinds of directions that might not be that helpful. So, so when we are anxious, we need to tell our feelings that they are not the boss of us. To say, look, feelings... You are not the boss of me, so you are not calling the shots. Look, one of the best ways that I have found to talk to my feelings in the midst of a moment like that when I am anxious is actually by memorizing scripture about about what is actually true. Philippians 4.8 is a great passage to use as a grid to work through this. It It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You see, so when I am up at 3 a.m. and I am thinking about all kinds of different situations and scenarios that are like blown up in my head and are making me anxious, look, not only will I pray, but I'll also quote passages like this. (laughs) Things like this, just quote them to myself. And I'll ask myself, is what I am thinking about in this situation true? And, and, and I just go straight down the line of all those things. I use it as a grid and a filter like, to like run my emotions through. You see, then I, I quote other passages that remind me, well, what's true about God and who he is? What's true about God and how he sees me and loves me? What's true about God giving me all that I need in life, in every situation? What is true? Like, for instance, you remember the, the, the things earlier that I talked about, the, the two areas that I struggle with that give me anxiety, you know, where I feel like I have a lack of control and a lack of people's approval? You see, I, I think that if I am in control, I can get people, like, I can get people to like me, and when I get people to like me, I'm good, right? Right? Well, what's true? First of all, the truth is I'm not in control at all. Like that is just an illusion. Like the truth is God's the only one who's in control. Look, a a passage that that I memorized that, that reminds me of this is actually Psalm 46. It's an incredible Psalm and it starts like this. It says, God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Then if you jump down to the end of that Psalm in verse 10, it ends this way. It's a passage I'm guessing a lot of you have heard before. It says, be still and know that I am God. You see, I actually, I, I got part of this passage tattooed on my arm. And if you notice, it's, well, it's facing me because this is something that I need To be reminded of because you see the thing is is sometimes i need to hear be still and know that i am god god saying that sometimes i also need to hear god say be still and know that (laughs) you're not god you see it reminds me basically that when i feel the need to be in control what am i trying to do (laughs) i'm trying to be god you see i need to let god be god you see when i do this When I remember that God's God and I'm not God and I just need to be still and know that he is God and I'm not, that anchors me to truth. Because see, here's what's going to take place in the midst of our anxiety and all of our feelings. We are either going to end up viewing God through the lens of our circumstances, everything going on, or we're gonna view our circumstances through the lens of God. Like, in, in other words, the question we can ask is, am I letting my feelings tell me what's true about God? Or am I letting what's true about God influence my feelings? <laughs> Something to think about. The second truth that I need to focus on is really in the area that if God approves of me. You see, God, he sees me. He, he, he knows me fully. You know, he didn't make any mistakes when he made me. He's gifted me with everything that I need to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish in this life. And he fully accepts me in the process of that. So when I'm feeling anxious about the need of approval for others, a verse that reminds me of this that I memorized, it literally was my screensaver saver for months, is Zephaniah 3, 17. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who who saves, he will take great delight in you. In, In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. You see, think about this. Why seek the approval of others when you already have the delight of God? Approval is such a low bar. When you think about the God of the universe, he delights in you, he delights in me. What more do I need? Okay, but can I be honest about something? Sometimes I do all these things. You know, I, t- I talk to my friends, talk to my father, I talk to my feelings and I'm still anxious. You see, the reality is I think that like on this side of heaven in the broken world that we live in, anxiety is going to be an issue for some of us at all kinds of different times. And, There are times when, in moments like this, where the only thing that I can cling to, like the truth that I have to hang on to is that in the end, well, God wins. Okay, let me see if I can explain this. One of the things that I love about Madison is that we are in the city with a Big Ten University. And I'm kind of a sports lover, and so I love the caliber of sports that we get to take in here. And so one of the teams that Rachel and I are pretty close to actually is the women's volleyball team here at the University of Wisconsin. Rachel and I both played volleyball in college, so it's always been a game that we love. And so we love being, having a chance to be around the team. And this season for them, <laughs> yeah, it was quite amazing. You know, I, look, I had spent a decent amount of the, you know, time with the team during the regular season and all the way through the tournament, all the way up to where they made it to the Final Four, where they were headed to Ohio. However, on that particular weekend, my my first daughter, Hannah, oldest daughter, yeah, she was graduating from the University of Georgia, which is just unbelievable. And so that weekend, rather than being at the Final Four, we were in Athens, Georgia for my daughter's graduation. And it just so happened that the time of the championship match was at the exact time that we were going to be on a flight from Athens back to Madison, Wisconsin. How fantastic is that? So the game was against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and all we could do for that match, yeah, was nothing. We couldn't see anything. In fact, the best that we could do was to set up our phones, you know, set up my phone while I was on the plane to, like, get texts from a couple of friends who were watching the game who could give us kind of a mild play-by-play and score updates, <laughs> okay? So, so just picture this. Rachel and I are sitting on a plane looking at my phone, You know, for the entire flight, as we got text every 15 to 30 seconds or so that told us the scores and occasional information about a player and how they might be doing. (laughs) Like, let me just tell you, that was the most nerve wracking flight that I have ever been on in my life. We couldn't see what was going on at all. All we were getting was like the occasional score updates. 12-11, 12-12, 13-12, 14-12, timeout. (laughs) <laughs> stuff like that. Well, to make a long story short, spoiler alert, that you should already know by now, Wisconsin won the national championship, boom! Come on! It was amazing, like, but in all honesty, I have never had a more anxious time on a plane in my life. Okay, a couple of days later, when I got home, I finally watched the recorded championship match. I had DVR'd it and finally had time to sit down and watch. <laughs> Do you know what I found when I watched it this way? I was so much less anxious because I already knew who won. It just felt different when I knew the ending already. You see, Blackhawk family, <laughs> spoiler alert, in the end, Jesus wins. (laughs) We know who wins in the end. And when we think about that, it can decrease our anxiety. You see, let's face it, life on this side of heaven is hard, guarantee. And while we're here, we have got to take steps. We've got to be people who, who talk to our friends. We've got to be people who talk to our Father in heaven. And we've got to talk to our feelings, telling them what's true focusing on the fact that God is good, that he loves us. He is in control, and in the end, he wins. Let me pray for us. Lord God, thank you so much for the love that you have for us and the movement that you make to be active in our lives. Thank you that all of that is possible because you sent your son Jesus into this world to pay a penalty that we could not pay so we could be in right relationship with you. Lord God, I, I, I just pray for the 47% of people listening to this message right now who struggle with anxiety, just like me. God, would you help us to be people who are willing to be open with the friends who we have about what we're going through? God, would you meet us in the times where we pray to you and, and, and would you help us, Father, to be able to right-size our feelings that we might be able to stand on the truth of what you tell us? Would you meet us in these places? God, that it would alleviate our anxiety as our focus becomes more on you. Thank you, God, for the way that you work. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.